Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And we're in a series on the book of Revelation. We're treating it as future history that gives the events of the day of the Lord, the tribulation in chronological order. We're especially seeking to determine the timing of the events and how the events on earth correspond to the events in heaven, how they're connected. Last time we saw and we looked at the seventh trumpet and we saw how important it is because it will bring all the judgments of God to their completion. We're told that everything will be accomplished in the days of the, seventh, of the sounding of the seventh trumpet. Getting the timing of the seventh trumpet right is absolutely essential to get a correct understanding of the events of the tribulation. And today I want to start by proving that the seventh trumpet is blown at mid-tribulation. In fact, on the very same day that the Antichrist puts up his abomination of desolation in the temple. Now, Revelation uh, 11, 7 to 10, describes how the Antichrist kills the two witnesses after their ministry of 1,260 days, and their, their dead bodies are dishonored by being left on the Temple Mount for all to see and gloat over. But after three and a half days, they are raised from the dead. That's described in verse 11 to 13. And they ascend into heaven in, before the eyes of the whole world. And that's accompanied by a great earthquake in Jerusalem, and many get saved as a result. And then, verse 14 declares, the second woe is passed. That's the sixth trumpet. The sixth trumpet is passed. Behold, the third woe, or the seventh trumpet, is coming quickly. And so this marks the end of the time of the sixth trumpet. And the seventh trumpet is blown soon afterwards. In fact, the next verse says, then the seventh angel sounded. And this is accompanied by great rejoicing in heaven because the seventh trumpet brings all the judgments of God to their completion with the establishment of God's kingdom on the earth. And we'll see, actually, that the seventh trumpet marks the start of the Great Tribulation, the worst time ever in history, a time when evil is fully manifested and God's judgments are greatly intensified. Now, the next event on earth immediately after the seventh trumpet is, is immediately after the seventh trumpet is blown is a woman fleeing into the wilderness. First of all, this woman is identified by giving her history. This is now Revelation 12. The seventh trumpet is blown, and now there is celebration in heaven. Then we're into Revelation 12. And we read this about the woman. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and, her moon, and the, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. We'll see that this woman is the Israel of God, the believing remnant of Israel. And the baby that she brings forth is the Messiah. In my book, Signs in the Heavens, I actually show how this that this was actually a sign in the heavens that's described in these verses is actually took place uh, at Christ's birth. Uh, that's to do with the, the sun, moon, and the, and the certain arrangement of the stars. Then Revelation 12.3, it introduces the devil, who took a third of the angels with him when he rebelled against God and was thrown out of heaven to the earth. 
And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And then it says that the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. And this proves, of course, that the child is Christ, who was victorious and ascended to heaven. And so this woman is identified as the one who gave birth to the Messiah. So this woman is the believing remnant of Israel. This is established by three considerations. First, she's related to the sun, moon, and twelve stars. And these very symbols occur together in Joseph's dream in Genesis 37. And in there, it refers to Israel, to Jacob. Uh, Israel, his wife, and the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and, eleven, and the eleven stars bowed down to me, the twelfth star. And so he told it to his fathers and brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come down to bow to the earth, down to the earth before you? And so you see the biblical context of this vision clearly points to Israel. Secondly, she gave birth to a man-child who ascended to heaven and sat on God's throne, having accomplished his mission on earth and who's destined to rule the earth with a rod of iron. A clear reference to, to the Messiah, Jesus. And, um, and Jesus came into the earth through Israel. The church, which some people put forward as the candidate for the woman, is impossible because... It's Christ brought forth the church, not the other way around. And the thirdly, we read about this woman, that in the great tribulation, this woman flees into the wilderness. Revelation 12:6. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Now this excludes the possibility that this woman is merely and limited to Mary, the mother of Jesus, although of course she is a part of the believing remnant of Israel and she played a vital role in bringing forth the Messiah. But this prophecy goes forward 2,000 years from the birth of Christ to the Great Tribulation and the woman is still there. And so it cannot be just a single human individual. It must be Israel. So immediately after the seventh trumpet is blown in Revelation 11, the next event in Revelation 12, is this woman fleeing into the wilderness, where she is kept safe there for 1,260 days. And this has to be during the time of the Great Tribulation. This confirms that the seventh trumpet is at mid-tribulation. To recap, after the seventh trumpet is blown in Revelation 11, we're told what will happen during the time of the seventh trumpet. We're immediately introduced to a woman, who is described and identified as the one who brought forth the Messiah, that is, Israel. We then see her fleeing into the wilderness for three and a half years in Revelation 12.6. Again, the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So, if we just focus on the sequence of events, we have the seventh trumpet followed by the woman, Israel, fleeing into the wilderness for safety. Then follow, So following the sequence here given in Revelation, we can say that the woman, Israel, 
flees at the seventh trumpet. This event is also described by Jesus in Matthew 24. He said, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. What he's saying is you need to study the, the reference there, Daniel 9.27, which tells us that the abomination happens at the middle of the 70th week. So he says, well, now that we understand that, he says, you see the abomination in the middle of the 70th week, then let those in Judea flee to the mountains. And the mountains near Judea are the mountains of Jordan. And then he emphasizes the urgency of escaping at once. He says, let him who's on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who's in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter on the Sabbath, for then there'll be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world till this time, no, nor ever shall be. Notice that the woman flees immediately when she sees the abomination of desolation in the temple that Daniel talked about. Let's, let's see what Daniel said. He, the Antichrist, he says, will confirm a covenant with many in Israel for seven years. In the middle of the seven years, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and in the temple he'll set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Daniel clearly tells us that this happens in the middle of, his, of Daniel's 70th week. So, in the middle of the 70th week, the Antichrist puts up his abomination in the temple, and all the believing Jews will escape to the mountains of Jordan, and again, this marks, according to Jesus, the start of the Great Tribulation. Therefore, Matthew 24 tells us that the woman, Israel, escapes at the abomination. But Revelation tells us that the woman escapes at the seventh trumpet. Therefore, the seventh trumpet and the abomination must be on the same day, which is 1,260 plus three and a half days from the start of the 70th week. Because it, first you have the 1,260 days of the two witnesses and then the three and a half days between their death and resurrection, which is when the seventh trumpet is blown. And so Jesus said that this day, the day of the abomination, the day of the seventh trumpet, is also the start of the great tribulation. He said, for then, when you see the abomination, there will be great tribulation, such as not been known since the beginning of the world till this time, no nor ever shall be. Now, this also proves that the seventh trumpet is at mid-tribulation because it's on the same day as the abomination of desolation, which we know is at mid-tribulation, according to Daniel 9.27. So now we can see how everything fits perfectly into this framework provided by Matthew 24 and Revelation. The two witnesses, first the two witnesses minister for 1,260 days, the first half of the 70th week. Then after another three and a half days, they ascend into heaven. The Antichrist responds immediately by setting up his abomination of desolation in the temple, which initiates the Great Tribulation. God responds immediately to the Antichrist move by the blowing of the seventh trumpet. And believing Israel, the woman, responds immediately to the abomination by fleeing to Jordan, where she is kept safe for the last 
1,260 days of the Great Tribulation, the time of Antichrist's reign. The fact that she flees at mid-tribulation is confirmed by the fact that she's kept safe for the last three and a half years, or 1,260 days, before Christ returns to save her. We read, Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So, in conclusion, the seventh trumpet in heaven synchronizes with the abomination and the start of the great tribulation on the earth. Now, Revelation 12 describes the spiritual warfare going on behind the events on the earth. The Antichrist is really just the puppet of the devil, being used to fulfill his purposes to dominate and to destroy humanity. Let's read Revelation 12 here again. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and pain to give birth to the Messiah. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of the angels of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it, as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's Christ. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. That's the ascension of Christ. So we see that in opposition to the woman and the, her man-child, Christ, is the dragon, who's identified in verse 9 as the great dragon, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. And this is an interesting twofold description of Satan as first the dragon and two, the serpent. And that reveals the two ways that evil manifests itself. The two, way he op two ways he operates, corresponding to the meaning of his two main names. First of all, Satan, which means opposer, and secondly, the devil, which means liar, slanderer, false accuser, deceiver. So first of all, as the dragon, he directly opposes God and his people in obvious ways, by a show of strength, by by, by to, to intimidate, to try and create fear. And that's often through persecution. That's the obvious face of evil, you might say. But he also works in the subtle way as a serpent, to slander God, to deceive people, to, to try and make people blame God rather than trusting him, to accuse the brethren. He's the slanderer, he's the deceiver, he's the subtle. And this can actually take the very seductive, if you like, the beautiful side of evil, the seductive side of evil, which is actually far more dangerous than the intimidating side of evil. This is Satan appearing as an angel of light, presenting to your mind how, how nice it would be to disobey God, to take that uh, forbidden fruit. God, he says, is, is just out to spoil your fun. And it was by operating as a serpent in the Garden of Eden that he caused man to fall. And before that, it was as a deceptive serpent, if you like, through slander, he persuaded a third of the angels to openly rebel against God. And in response, God threw them out of the third heaven down to the earth 
and its atmosphere, which is the first heaven. And that's what it says. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them down to the earth. This shows that the fallen angels were cast down to the earth and its atmosphere. In the tribulation, the spiritual warfare between God and Satan comes to its climax. You see, God has decreed that his son Jesus Christ, this man-child, he will rule the earth with a rod of iron. But Satan is contesting that. He wants to install his seat, the Antichrist, as the world dictator. And through him, Satan controls the earth. And the, so the dragon tried to kill the child as soon as he was born. And that's what happened with Christ, by stirring up King Herod to kill all the babies of Bethlehem. But he escaped, praise God, and he fulfilled his mission of redeeming the world, and he ascended into heaven victorious, waiting for the time to return to the earth and rule it with a rod of iron, which he will do at the second coming. And so this confirms there's a spiritual warfare going on, but Christ is the ultimate victor. So, the dragon tries to kill the, the child at his birth, but fails. So then he focuses on trying to destroy the woman, Israel. And that's the cause of anti-Semitism since then. Because by so doing, he thinks that he can still stop God's plan come to pass, because Israel is essential to the fulfillment of God's plan. Because not only must the Messiah come through the woman, but also the messianic kingdom must also come through Israel. Because it is the fulfillment of, God, of the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant to Israel that the kingdom will be established. In other words, God has, through covenant, committed himself to Israel and he will fulfill his purposes through Israel. So if Satan can destroy Israel, he can thwart God's purposes. And that's explains the satanic origin of anti-Semitism. Verse 13, it says, Now when the dragon saw him being cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. With Antichrist now possessed by Satan uh, in Israel, and in Israel, and about to attain world power, this is a very dangerous situation for the Jews, especially for those in the land. And so it's vital for them to escape. And God helps them to escape quickly. It says that the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she's nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And then it says that the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Now in the Bible a flood represents an army, a big army. And so Antichrist sends his forces to chase and kill this fleeing woman. Then it says that but the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. So the earth opens up and swallows the Antichrist pursuing armies, much like the sea opened up and swallowed Egypt's armies, which were pursuing Israel as she fled in the Exodus. This escape of Israel at mid-tribulation helps to explain a very puzzling reference in Revelation 11.8, just after the Antichrist has killed the two witnesses. It says their dead bodies will lie in the street, literally the broad place of the great city, which is of course the Temple Mount, uh, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. Now, first he links the place of the death of the two witnesses to the place of the death of Christ, for the two witnesses will be killed on the Temple Mount, that's Mount Moriah in, in Jerusalem. 
the very same mount where the Lord was crucified, because Golgotha is at the, very, at the peak of Mount Moriah. Check out my book on Mount Moriah, Golgotha, and the Garden Tomb if you want to know more about that. And so he provides, then, having said it's Jerusalem, he also provides a coded message from God to the believing Jews at the time by comparing Jerusalem to that time, uh, Jerusalem of that time, to Sodom and Egypt. This is a warning to all believers to immediately flee the area, just like believing Lot fled from Sodom and believing Israel fled from Egypt at the Exodus. This is vital because Jerusalem has just come under Antichrist's full dominion and it's just before the Great Tribulation starts. So he says it's spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. In other words, get a spiritual lesson from the fact that this is like the time of Sodom and the time of Egypt. You need to make a quick escape. You see, by comparing Jerusalem to Sodom, God is saying to the believers in Judea that for them it, this time is just like it was for Lot before the destruction of Sodom. As God told Lot to escape Sodom to the mountains of Jordan before destruction fell and, and helped him supernaturally, so the Jews are told also to flee to a place of safety in Jordan before the horrors of the Great Tribulation fall upon them. And God will give them supernatural help too. In fact, Jesus used this very example of Lot escaping Sodom in connection with this flight of the Jews to Jordan at mid-tribulation. He, he did it to urge them to escape quickly. In that day, he who is on the housetop with his goods in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Secondly, by comparing Jerusalem to Egypt, God is saying that this time is just like when she was in slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh. Just as before the Exodus, Moses called down plagues from God on Egypt, growing in intensity, so in the first half of the tribulation, Moses, because he's one of the two witnesses, calls down divine judgments on the world. Just as Moses preached to Israel, and they believed in his message, they trusted in the Passover lamb and they left Egypt in the Exodus. So again, Moses will preach to Israel at the temple. And many will believe, put their trust in Christ, the Passover lamb, and they will leave Judea in a great Exodus to Jordan. So just as by obeying God through Moses the first time they escape Pharaoh, so those who will obey God's command to leave Judea at this time will escape the Antichrist. Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist. So God is saying, that just as he provided a way of escape to a place of safety for Lot from Sodom and for Israel from Egypt before destruction overtook them, so he'll provide a way of escape for Israel at this time. So that all those who believe and make a rapid exodus from Israel will escape to a place of safety. As God led Israel out of Egypt at great speed with divine assistance, which is described as being on eagle's wings in Exodus 19.4. So now likewise he will lead her out of Judea at great speed on eagle's wings. And that's exactly what Revelation says. It says the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. We saw in Matthew 24 that Jesus warned them that it's urgent that they escape as fast as possible as there's only a brief window of opportunity. As Pharaoh, inspired by Satan, chased them with his army to totally destroy them, so Antichrist's army, inspired by the serpent, will, f will chase the fleeing Jews in order to exterminate them. 
as it says, the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood, a large army, after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. And so he plans to destroy Israel by this army. However, just as God intervened to, by causing Pharaoh's armies to be completely swallowed up by the Red Sea, as it's about to destroy the fleeing Jews, so likewise he will cause the earth to miraculously open up and swallow Antichrist's army as he is about to destroy these fleeing Jews. It says, But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, the army, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. As God supernaturally enabled Israel to escape Pharaoh's clutches and dwell safely in the wilderness for a time, where God supernaturally provided for her, so likewise he will enable these Jews to escape the reach of the Antichrist and dwell safely in the wilderness of Jordan during the Great Tribulation, where he will supernaturally provide for her. As Israel waited in the wilderness till it was time for Joshua to lead them into taking possession of the promised land, so this believing remnant of Israel will wait in this place until it's time for King Jesus, the greater than Joshua, to return in power, to lead her into taking permanent possession of the promised land for the messianic kingdom. They will be a vital part of the final regathering of Israel from the nations to possess her land in the millennium. And the Bible actually describes this as the second exodus, even greater than the first. And so the message to believers in Israel at mid-tribulation is that it's like when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh. They must trust in the blood of Christ, their Passover lamb, and obey the words of Christ, the greater than Moses, and immediately make an exodus from the land. And God will supernaturally help them to escape with speed to a place of safety, and he will deal with any armies that pursue him. And after a short time in the wilderness... At Christ's return, he will bring them into their promised land and they will possess that land and they will dwell in it throughout the Messianic Kingdom. My mega book on prophecy is called A Panorama of Prophecy. It's 650 pages and it covers the whole subject of Bible prophecy. And I felt that for many people they would love a bigger edition of it. So this is the A4 size edition. Now it's a bit more expensive, £40, but it's a, it makes it much more uh, easy to study from. Uh, let me encourage you, if you're a real student, to get this Panorama Mega Edition. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the Word of God to the ends of the earth, but we need your help. If you can partner with us or, or pray for us, contribute to us, it will make all the difference to make this possible. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you, you can find the, uh, a way you can help us financially, and we would be so grateful. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk 
or by calling 01865 515 086.